Hey guys, it's Riley. Today's episode brings me so much joy because it features my idol and my little sister, Bryn Blinks. As I listened back on this episode, I couldn't help but think about Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime. I just finished it and so did Bryn. And I thought about the time that he tried to interview his dad and how it was such a disaster. His dad had no interest in revealing private parts about his own life. And as I listened to my conversation with Bryn, I was just filled with gratitude because though I feel like I know her so well, every time I talk to her, I don't only learn more about her, I learn more about us and further, I learn more about the world around us. We kicked things off with a question that feels especially overwhelming these days. How are you? I just got back from an attempt to go grocery shopping. Um, I guess I should say a failed attempt because the line was not just out the door and down the block, but pretty much into the parking lot. So did not have time to to go inside. <laughs> There's definitely an energy in the air right now. I think as things start to open back up, people are sort of adjusting to yet another new phase. Nice to see you when you wake me, where you're going, I want to come. Hi everyone, I'm Riley Blanks, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty, a storytelling platform reimagining the everyday act of self-celebration for and by all women. This show brings you unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries who have developed personal success despite trauma and hardship by leaning into grit and discernment. We explore the messy interwoven realities of mental health, holistic wellness, intricate family dynamics, racial complexity, and the exceptional discoveries that lead to fulfillment. This is our pledge to the power of resilience and the impact of perspective. Bryn is a Santa Barbara-based marketing communications specialist with a passion for storytelling and community building. After living in five countries and multiple locations around the United States, including Virginia, where she earned her degree in global health from the University of Virginia, Bryn moved to California in 2016 to kickstart her career outside the classroom. Since then, she has worked alongside healthcare professionals, first responders, technologists, community leaders, and others while using online forms of technology as a vehicle for storytelling and meaningful engagement. Prior to joining the Social Impact Department at Procore, one of the world's most widely used construction technology platforms, Bryn managed social media efforts at the global humanitarian aid organization, Direct Relief. There, she led and interacted with an online community of more than 250,000 individuals while spearheading partnerships with companies like Facebook to develop solutions for the nonprofit to engage more efficiently and effectively. Bryn's professional and personal experience in locations across the globe fuels her passion to tell inspiring, accessible stories that create space for others to dream, grow, and connect. It is her mission to help others present their story and purpose in a manner that is not only genuine and inspiring, but also impactful. Bryn, where were you born and how do you identify with that place? 
So I have to, I'm smiling and I have to just start this by sharing a little tidbit. Prior to jumping on this call, you, Riley, took the time to send me an email in preparation for this interview. And it was such a thoughtful email with, you know, outlined feedback on how to prepare for the podcast, what headphones to wear, make sure you're in a quiet area. Here are some thoughts and prompts to spark, you know, feedback from you and and things that I can speak to. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, she spent so much time like preparing me. I need to replicate, I need to respond to that and like provide some thoughtful talking points in response. And I love how you were like, Bryn, this is supposed to be organic. Just get on the phone and we'll figure it out as we go. It was, I just think it was so good for me because my, I'm so type A and my typical personality is like, let me make sure I have all the right things in place before I, before I do this. Um, and it was a good like check for me to just say, hey, let's just have a normal conversation as sisters and talk, um, which I think is what yeah. your, com- your podcast is all about. And it's really refreshing. And I think it's, it's um, a nice way to just feel closer to whoever it is that you might be either listening to or talking to. Like, yeah, you were so um, organized and prepared and like um, sure of yourself. And it's it's unusual, even if you are a type A. So it was like a learning moment for both of us because I was like, wow, she's so prepared and clear, you know? And, um, but yeah, it's, it's great because we can learn from each other. And I think that's, such a key ingredient for the formula of a healthy relationship, you know? Totally. Um, Yeah. Anyway, thank you for saying that. I love you. I love you too. (laughs) And yes, I will answer your question. Um, So I was born in Santa Barbara, California on September 21st, 1993. And actually, ironically, I live about two blocks from the hospital I was born in, which now no longer exists. It has since been converted into another medical space. Um, But kind of a cool a cool fact there. Um, for me, Santa Barbara is, is, and always has been home. And it's interesting because I didn't grow up here while I was born here. This wasn't really my, my home base in the sense of, or at least in the traditional sense of having a place where you, you, you know, go to school and, um, build your network of friends and kind of all the things associated with that. It was really just a place that I came home to for holidays and kind of, moments in my life where I had a chance to sort of take a break or a breather. And oftentimes that was with you, of course, and our parents and and my mom specifically, who's from here. So it wasn't until, I guess, four years ago when I graduated from school and decided, hey, I'm going to give California a shot, but actually more than just for a vacation, I'm going to try living there. And here I am in Santa Barbara, not really planning on staying here, but before I knew it, I, I found a reason to stay through through work and, and just how great it was. Um, so I, I think, you know, all that to say Santa Barbara is and, and has always been home and really meant that to me. Um, it's, it's close to my heart. I Every time I leave, I can't wait to come back. And um, while the place hasn't changed much, the way that I process and sort of experience it has definitely evolved just based on the people that I've met here. Um, the types of work I've done done here, and and as I've gotten older, I think my perspective of it in general has just sort of um, developed more. Can you briefly describe how you grew up and why Santa Barbara wasn't a constant? 
Yeah, totally. So I, as you know, but probably many of the people listening on this uh, podcast don't know, while I was born here, I grew up kind of all over the world. So um, internationally in three countries, Hungary, Cyprus, and Germany at a very young age to the point where I only remember little snippets, but I still believe that it, it definitely played a role in who I am today. And then in the U.S., um, I, I grew up on the East Coast, in the South, and spent a lot of time in, in Texas specifically um, through kind of high school and, and my younger years as well. So moved around a lot, to say the least. And my dad's uh, job really, really drove that. He um, played basketball professionally and then went into the management side of things later in his career. And because of that, it really took the family um, sort of all over the place, which is something that I'm incredibly grateful for because I think it really has shaped how I interact with the world and how I process um, relationships and experiences that I go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, But all that to say, Santa Barbara was really the constant through all that movement. Yeah, I definitely see it. Um, Maybe it was constant, but not necessarily consistent, you know, or continuous. And... um, but I definitely see it as like the most familiar place in my life. Like I, I just, though I don't know it like you, cause I've never lived there as long as you have, I feel like I know it better than anywhere. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe Austin. I mean, I consider Austin another version of that since we kind of had it throughout our life. Um, even when we didn't, but yeah, it's just so interesting how you can tether or untether yourself from the place where you were born or the place where you grew up. I find that really interesting and how like it plays a role in our identity. So yeah, that's and I love how you have conceptualized it, you know, like, because we though we, you know, our sisters in a lot of ways, our childhoods were different, especially with me playing, you know, tennis and um, just kind of like how we navigated. So I think it's always really cool to hear, you know, like your perspective, though we're so similar, we have our differences. And I love, um, I don't know, just kind of like, acknowledging them. Okay, so kind of like moseying on down your path. How did you develop your specialty as a marketing communications specialist, which I see as a very um, niche and elevated role, especially because of the way that you've managed it, you know, like you've created space that didn't exist, which is a rare skill. So I'm curious how you got there. And then has your mission within that role changed since the COVID-19 outbreak? It's a really good question. Yeah, so I guess to give some context, I I currently um, work in marketing and communications at a tech company uh, based here in Santa Barbara, but operating all over the world. And they specialize in construction software. And my role has really evolved since I joined less than a year ago to focus on helping the company, specifically the company social impact department, communicate about their work. and it's been a really fun ride in the, in the 10 months that I've been there because each day, each week, each month feels so dynamic and, and kind of ever evolving and ever changing. And I like the pace of that because it feels like there's always a new story or project to keep up with and to tell. But in terms of the root of that, I think my passion for storytelling actually kind of came up a little bit subconsciously through what we were just talking about, which is just exposure and experiences from you know, across the spectrum and all over the place um, and kind of learning about how people process the world and how they process their lives based on the experiences and the interactions that make up who they are. So 
I think subconsciously, I really was inspired to share those experiences, probably when I at a young age, just with myself, because it was whether it was writing and journaling or just reflecting on them in my head. But as I got older and, and in the recent past, after graduating from college and joining a nonprofit organization that specializes in disaster response, I saw this really neat opportunity to not just process these stories, but also create a platform where I could share them. And with all the online forms of technology that are literally at our fingertips every second of the day, what better place to leverage to have a positive impact on how people are reading and processing information? So for me, I feel like I had this realization that storytelling can really provide people with access to information, knowledge, in some cases, resources that otherwise they may never have had access to, um, regardless of where they are which is such a powerful thing. And it gets me really excited because I think it just reinforces the power of storytelling. And I also feel like it aligns so well with what you're doing with Woke Beauty and now with this podcast in terms of bringing people together around topics they care about and finding ways to share insights and feedback and, and create stories around those topics. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. it's something that gets me really excited. And I think it kind of, flips the conversation that typically is is seen around technology when it's shed in not always the best light. Um, thinking about right. it, you know, in a in a positive way and as kind of a forum or a resource to bring people closer together, um, to have conversations that years ago they probably weren't even able to have simply because these platforms didn't mm -hmm. even exist. So um, so that's kind of how I I got into to what I'm doing now. And I, I do feel like it's the kind of thing that is constantly evolving. I'm constantly looking for feedback and ways to improve how I market and communicate. And a lot of that comes from the very people that I'm telling stories about. So, you know, I, I see it as a, a very um, open platform to continue figuring out what it means to, to share and highlight stories that have an impact. Yeah, I think I know you have, I know it was a two-part question, but I just want to make sure. First of all, I just to give context, the disaster relief company was Direct Relief, right? And now you're with Procore. I think it's so cool that Procore is in Austin and Carpinteria, which is just right near Santa Barbara. Um, like, what are the chances, yeah. you know? And I loved that you could connect with, um, you know, coworkers when you came to visit. So I think that's really special. And then I, I was curious, and I don't want to derail you, but I think that this is really interesting. First to just note that I think your desire to storytell and your passion for storytelling in large part is connected to your childhood and this deep desire for human connection and how um, I think we had no choice but to develop that in order to find our home in people since we were so... Um, gypsy-like. <laughs> and then I also think that we had such a great example of our mom and dad who pursued, you know, relationships and involved us in them on a consistent basis to the point where like their friends are our friends, you know, um, people of, of generations older than us. It's easy for us to, to cross into that space because of what we were presented with. So I just find all that really interesting. Um, but I wanted to ask you, do you think that our generation has this like very, we, I feel like storytelling is such a, an important facet of like the millennial generation. I feel like there is this deep curiosity for sort of like um, conceptualizing the world around us, you know, 
And I just, what do you think that is about? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think it ties in really well with this conversation around online forms of technology and the availability of them, right? Because you have access to information, you have access to people that um, open the door to conversations and interactions that maybe would only be possible in person prior to, to us you know, being alive. So I think visibility around that and the fact that millennials specifically can, can log on to a platform simply from their phone, wherever they are, and have insight into chatter that's happening online or stories that are getting published by the minute, reporters that are covering these stories, um, news coming from locations that they may never have been to, but simply have an idea of because they're able to read about them online. I think all of these different instances of information that are coming out, you know, on a, on a con consistent, regular basis have created for our generation, especially sort of this um, motivation or inspiration to be part of that and to contribute to that. And also to know and recognize that there's a place for you to do that. I mean, the fact that you can create your own account, you can sign on to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, so social media specifically, you can create an account and use that account to share your story. And hundreds of people, maybe thousands, maybe millions can potentially see it. That to me is, is a huge central reason why, why people, especially um, of our generation, are seeing this opportunity to share their story and join the conversation because there's, there's space for it. Um, there's opportunity, there's yeah, opportunity in totally. it too, right? Because who knows what it could lead to. Maybe someone reads your story and they're inspired by it and it sparks something else. Maybe it leads to a job. Maybe it inspires your career path. There's, there's so much out there. There's so much opportunity. And I feel like our generation is in such a unique time where we can really take advantage of that and leverage that to, to talk about important meaningful things. Yeah, I, I, I love that perspective because it is true that it gets a bad rap and people become extremely consumed by social media. They let it define their identity instead of just utilizing it as a resource, um, which essentially it is. None of us own it. <laughs> you know, we just utilize it. Um, and I, I just think that's such a great point that in a way it's it's an access point for stimulation. It's a way to um, connect, to share, and to um, kind of like sift through your life, which is, uh, we're very lucky to live in an age where not only we can do that, but we're like praised for it, you know? So yeah, thank you. I feel like that's really important for people to hear because it can be such a pain point. Okay. So how has your mission within your role as you know, a marketing communication specialist and essentially a storyteller um, changed since the COVID-19 outbreak? Yeah, it's such a good question as well. I love all these questions. I really think it's still evolving, um, to be completely honest, because we're still so in the situation and we're not on the other side of it. So there's a lot that still isn't clear. That's almost a way that it's changed, right? Because I remember like pre-pandemic, there was there was a fair amount of clarity around your role and it had evolved and things had shifted and i feel like you had a lot of um i don't know there was like a sense of transparency for your future you know what i mean like you had a peek into what was to come and so i wonder if part of the change is like not having that anymore yeah i would say that um actually interestingly enough my 
my mission and my work seems a lot more intentional and, and even clearer now. And I think that's because a lot of what we're doing um, on my team specifically, which is really dedicated to giving back to the construction industry by providing access to free software and training resources, a lot of what we're doing is trying to make our, our offer and our work more accessible. So to me, um, one thing that's become very clear through this pandemic is that many of us can work remotely successfully, or at least we have the tools to do that if, if we have a job that enables us to be remote. And a lot of those tools obviously connect right back to technology. So because of that, I feel like this storytelling mission and focus is, is tied in really nicely with technology and access to tools that enable you to come online. Because suddenly, for example, um, annual summits that were once only available to those who could get on a plane and travel to them and pay a certain, you know, certain amount of money in order to be in the room. Now they're being offered virtually and they're free. So mm. that is a huge opportunity for people who maybe wouldn't, would not have had a seat at the table to now literally have a seat at their desk at home and, and be part of a conversation and have access to voices and individuals and leaders who are sharing incredible insights. Um, I think another thing that's become really clear is there's always been uncertainty. Pre, Pre-pandemic, there was uncertainty. Every day is uncertain. And I've, I found that as I've, you know, gone through my calendar, which felt very intentional and planned out for the year and, you know, trip after trip, my sister's wedding, your wedding, so much has been adjusted, postponed, moved and changed. And I had no, no control over that. It was simply just the reality of the situation. And while I can think like, oh, this is all in response to COVID, the truth is like, that's always been the case. We've, we've never really had complete control over our environment and how we move about within it. We have control over, you know, what we do and how we choose to live our lives and the decisions we choose to make. But a lot of that is, is greatly impacted by simply our surroundings. Um, so, and that really ties into my, my last point that I want to touch on, which is the built environment. I think that there's a heightened awareness and sense of the built environment at a scale that I don't personally think I've ever experienced. Um, whether it's walking down the street and someone walks around you on the sidewalk or you're in the store and everything you touch, you're thinking about and looking for the hand sanitizer because maybe you touch something that has something on it. There are things that we're processing and thinking about within the spaces that we occupy that I don't think we were thinking about before, before this pandemic. And I think that's fascinating because it's hard to, it's hard to think of a world post COVID where we're not that aware of our, our built environment, which to me is, is actually a really positive thing because um, the built environment extends obviously beyond the buildings that we go into and also includes the air that we breathe and, and nature and just the environment as a whole. So to me, there's got to be something really positive that comes out of our society looking at our surroundings in a really intentional, meaningful way and thinking about them, thinking about what they do in them, how they treat them, how they interact with them. Um, I think that's powerful. And, and to me, that's something that I definitely was not processing um, like I am now. Have you felt any negative impact from the pandemic? Because I feel like you're, you have been su such a rock. You've been so positive and supportive. 
and capable. I feel like, you know, so far in our conversation and part of the reason why I wanted to interview you was because out of everyone I know, um, not only, you know, some people are maybe you're neutral, you know, like, oh, I'm content. I'm fine. You know, but you really lean into this space that's rather optimistic. And I, I mean, when you talk, I see like a shining sun. How do you lean that way? How do you, how have you um, internalized it in a way that benefits you and your, I mean, energetically, you're going to be healthier if you think that way. You know what I mean? Um and also really contributes to a better society because by you energetically being better and seeing these sort of like positive impacts, you are undoubtedly, even if you're not directly like communicating with people, you're having a positive impact on them. Well, thank you. That's really nice of you to say. I'd like to believe that part of that is just because we're we're on a podcast and we're talking about, you know, really important topics and <laughs> you're my sister. So I'm always happy when I'm talking to you. Um But with that said, I would say um, I've definitely had some really low times and and times I've never experienced before because I've never been through anything like this. Um, For me, I've I've struggled with the high level of uncertainty that we're facing and pairing that with the extreme volume of information that's coming at you every second whether it's from the news, whether it's, you know, in your inbox, you didn't even ask for it, whether it's just walking around town trying to get through the day, whether it's some other platform online that no one's even heard of, but suddenly it's taken off because they're leveraging COVID to share their story. It's a lot and it's overwhelming. Um, And I think it, it calls for different reactions. But for me, I think I've had to get a lot better at finding where to draw the line and when, and also determining what information I should process and read and what information just won't be helpful to me and what I'm trying to do. Um, That's not easy though. It's, it's definitely not easy when you're trying to get access to the latest updates, when you're trying to understand how, you know, new information might impact your day to day. There's so much uncertainty. So there's only so much control you have, you know, within that kind of process. Um, another thing that that's really been tough for me, and it's come up in other circles that I've interacted with, but just the fact that different spaces represent different things that now for me are all in one space. So, you know, what used to be the office was work and um, going to the gym or going to a studio was, you know, moving my body and exercising my body or meditating and going to see a friend was, you know, going out to the beach or or going somewhere outside of the home. And then coming home was for me to relax and and kind of unplug and be with my my significant other, Jake, and be with my dog. Now all of those things are pretty much at home um, with the exception of going out to get, you know, food or if you're trying to go to the park, the park is still open. But a lot of those are, are kind of combined in one space, and that's really hard. And typically, um, most people don't see that because you're at home, so you're, you're by yourself. And that's something that I definitely think I, I, I feel has, has impacted um, those moments where I've definitely been low and just kind of like, how much longer is this going to go on for? 
And the last thing I'll say is just maintaining a sense of social connection when a lot of it is virtual. This word keeps coming up and, and kind of it's going around right now. I'm sure you've heard it, but Zoom fatigue, where you're just like, you're on video calls all day. And right. I have hit plenty of walls where I just need to literally unplug and maybe close my eyes. I had a, I had a couple of weeks where I just had this grueling headache and it wouldn't go away. And I finally realized, hey, that might be from all the screen time because while working from home is possible and great and there are a lot of positives, you're also on your screen way more because the interactions that you may have had in passing are now virtual. So nothing in your day is in person unless it's you talking to yourself or in my case, my dog sometimes, but the rest of it's on a computer. And that after time and overtime can be a lot for the brain to process, at least my brain. So um, yeah, just finding, finding space and time or making space and time to take a step back from the screen, reset my eyes, literally. Um, fresh air has been huge for me. But um, I think also just recognizing that I'm definitely not alone. I'm not the only one. Everyone's processing this in their own way. Um, things are bubbling up that, you know, maybe you weren't thinking about, but now you're forced to think about. There's a lot of time with your thoughts. Um, so I think these are all things that I don't even know if it's about being negative or positive. It, they're just intense and they're of a very high magnitude and there are lots of process. And I think recognizing that is probably the first step. That's so true. I think a lot of, a lot of times it's easy to neglect or resist. And when you can just kind of absorb the situation, it's much easier to sift through it. I think that's all so well put. And I've definitely gotten to a point where I've landed on audio only with Zoom. I'm just like, I think it's in part, I was talking to, last night I had this virtual dinner with um, a local nonprofit called Boss Babes ATX. And they were asking, what's tiring you? And I said, Zoom. And um, and we were we were saying maybe it's because we can see ourselves, maybe in part, because you typically in a conversation, you can't see yourself. So it's like, not only are you essentially alone, I mean, you really are in reality, um, but you're so aware that you're alone because you can see yourself. Such a good point, you know? yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a really great explanation. It's just not natural. It's really not, even though we live in this, tech focused world, we're not built for this. And I'm curious too, I was thinking about since you are um, so good at, at organization and kind of having control over your surroundings and even over your emotions. I know, I know you're a human, but you're great at um, feeling them and dealing with them. <laughs> so I'm curious how you've uh, surrendered, like how have you accepted that you just don't have control right now? I found that picking up new hobbies and um, new ways to just be have been huge for me. Um, a lot of that has involved connecting with people who I usually don't talk to very often. Um, you and I talk pretty much every day, so you're an exception to that. But thinking about good friends from college or just different times in my life, thinking back on you know all the different places we've lived, I've reconnected with a lot of those individuals. And that's been really cool. And definitely silver lining through all of this. Um, 
Another thing that I, I've picked up is gardening. So uh, recently we built a raised bed in the back backyard of our place. And my mom was actually, or our mom was inspiration behind this just because she built a, a garden a few years ago. And every time I go over there, it's thriving and beautiful. And it's just it's so amazing. Beautiful. And it's like, I want one of these. Who Who doesn't want to go to their backyard and like cut some carrots or lettuce? So um, all that to say, about a month ago, my my boyfriend Jake built a raised bed, and um, now we've we've planted some vegetables. And I go out every day and water and and check them out and just hang out with them and get some fresh air. And it's so simple yet so nice and such a good time because you can take care of these things that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have the time to to take care of. Um, so kind of just an appreciation for as cliche or corny as this might sound, the simple things and slowing down. I, I think even living in, you know, Santa Barbara, a beach town, it's easy to to kind of go through the to-do list every day and just one thing to the next, got to get in the car, got to go to work, got to go to this appointment, got to make dinner. It's It's like all these things you have to do. Suddenly you still have to do them, but you can also do the things that you want to do. And I'm trying to find those want to do spaces to accept the situation for what it is, but also find the things that I can control and the things that I can celebrate and be grateful for and find peace and and happiness in. And that's something that I hope I carry forward even beyond COVID because there's something to be said for just, you know, having, having access and having your surroundings be filled with things that, that make you, you know, happy and feel good and, and that serve you in a positive way. Yeah. I really relate to uh, the garden. I mean, I haven't done that yet and it's so hot here. So a lot of things you really shouldn't plant um, because they're just not going to be able to grow. (laughs) Although my friend, you know, Shalia, she has a beautiful garden, but she started planting things in winter for summer. And so, you know, and it's, you know, it's very summery things like uh, apparently cucumber is pretty hard to grow, but like okra and like tomatoes and, you know, things like that. But yeah, it's just so interesting. These things are leaning into it. It made me think about how, cause you were talking about how everything's done in the house. And I was thinking about how we're so immobilized. Like we're so used to not just migrating, like we move around all the time, but also just driving to the grocery store and walking, you know, down the street and going to a party or, or an event or a meeting. Nothing is, I mean, I, you wonder how much time we spend at home, but then I also remember seeing this heat map of um, the average American home and like 50% of the house was utilized. It was wow. crazy. And now I feel like it would be, <laughs> it would be 200%. It made me think of my deck. Like we, our deck was in dire straits. And after a couple of weeks of this, I was like, oh no, we got to utilize that deck. I am sick of the living room, you know? Yeah. And so there is this effort to utilize and even create as much space as possible within your space. Mm-hmm. And I think that is symbolic of the, um, there's like, we need more intentionality in our lives and more recognition of what we have and less desire to have more. It's like looking in your closet and you think you have nothing to wear, you know, and then you do like a capsule for 30 days, you pick 30 items and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never used these things in this way. And so 
it's strange how when you have limitations, you find that you can push further than you did before. But it's special to be able to do that because it's such a trying time. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And what you just said reminded me of another thing that I I think we need more of and, and are starting to get more of is just a sense of awareness of not just our home environment, but the environment of the people around us um, and sort of how they spend their day to day. I'm saying that because I, I, I feel like I've realized through all of this, you know, of course, the work I do, I'm, I'm grateful I can do it remotely, but there are so many who do have to leave their home to do their work. And some of them have been deemed essential jobs, so they are sta- they, they are still able to leave their house to to do that that task. But it's kind of this realization that there are so many in our in our country in our world who who support us and keep us up, and you don't always know about them, but they're they're there. They're there. They show up and they serve they serve our community and our neighbors. And in my last job, I probably would have been a little bit more. Um, a little bit closer to that effort, just being a disaster response organization, but having the opportunity just to support the support those types of organizations through the work I'm now doing really has given me insight into all the critical roles that that go into everyone being okay, whether it's access to food, whether it's in response to this pandemic. Um, and the importance of those roles, of course, now more than ever, but also when there's not a pandemic. Um, and, and I think, I think just an awareness and a a sense of gratitude that's external and visible is, is huge right now because, because they play such an important role. And for me, it's something that I definitely continue to come back to as I, you know, when I have my moments of, oh, this is, this is hard or, you know, when is this going to end? I think just reminding myself that there are people who are, in situations that are enabling me to be, you know, at home with a job. Um, and there are people who maybe don't have a job. So I think that's also just reminding me to, to not take really anything for granted. Um, any opportunity, my job itself, um, definitely, definitely some powerful reminders through all of this. And I think it, I think it's coming through as, as people start to have conversations and say, I don't know if I want to return to how things were before, you know, maybe, maybe this is a a chance for us to kind of push on to the next phase of the next environment that we want to build and create once this is all kind of settled. Yeah, that was so eloquently said. It just made me think, you know, a lot of the reason I think why America specifically has struggled is because we are so individualistic, but if you really think about it, we're not necessarily at our core behaving that way. And what I mean is um, if you go and you drive on the highway, you couldn't do that alone. You wouldn't literally not be able to drive on the highway if it weren't for the people who built the highway or who designed the highway or who made your car um, or who fixed your, you know, I don't know, your air conditioning. You know what I mean? So there is this um, almost like, negligence to the fact that we have all contributed to our lived experience and now we're realizing we need each other to survive and so I'm so glad you brought that up because it's yeah it's so important yeah the power of social connections and realizing that so much of how we process our lives is based on our relationships I've just been thinking like you kind of said in the beginning of the conversation about what we choose to consume 
in every way. But I'm curious what you are choosing to consume um, in regards to news, material, um, entertainment. What would be maybe like top three to five sort of like favorite platforms that you surf? I'll start by saying I've been reading a lot more than I I was pre-COVID. Not because I don't love reading, just because I, I wasn't making time for it. Um, but now that's that's become a priority. I have a virtual book club with my team. I'm joining your book club, the Woke Beauty Book Club, this weekend. And I'm just creating space to to pick up a book and read it. And as simple as it is, it's been so nice. And I'm I'm now in the in the tradition of getting out my book every day. So I hope it's something that I keep going even once things kind of reset here. Um, so I would say books have been my probably the first place I'm turning to. And I've, I've been really into memoirs, as you know. I just finished uh, Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. Highly recommend. Are you finished Incredible. it? Incredible. I'm a little over halfway, and I just, like, I can't – I'm listening, so I can't stop listening. It's so good. That's how I was reading it, and I got to the last page, and I was, like, trying to keep going, and I was like, wait, it's over. That's it. I was so upset, so bummed. I just wanted uh, it to keep going. Yeah. So highly recommend that book and um, also recently read a uh, another memoir, uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama, which I know you you read too. Another amazing book, probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, that I've read recently. And then um, a few others here and there. I, I'm about to open a book kind of focused on um, meditation and, and Buddhism, and it was highly recommended to me and actually mentioned in a Tim Ferriss podcast. So that's how I heard about it. Um, which book? It's called. Do you remember the Radical title? Acceptance. Oh yeah, I really want to read that. Yeah, it's on my I'll list. send it to you when I finish it. I'm I'm excited. I've been wanting to read it too, so okay. I'm finally getting to it. Um. So yeah, I would say books first and foremost. A little bit of TV here and there. I have a list on my phone of movies from like classics from you know pre me, pre when I was born, and I'm slowly but surely <laughs> trying to check some of those off my list. I mean, some of them are kind of silly, like E.T. I've never seen E.T., like crazy. You haven't seen E.T.? I've never seen E.T. I didn't know that. E.T. used to, like, terrify me. (laughs) Like, the hooded dude on the bike. Oh, Oh my my gosh. I was so scared. I I thought I watched that with you. I guess I imagined it. Maybe I watched it alone, and that's why I was so scared. Yeah, note to self, don't watch alone. That's crazy. (laughs) No. I need to rewatch that. Yeah, there you go. Maybe I'll do that. That can be your next. We should watch it together. A virtual watch that's party. That's something that's kind of fun. It's weird, but it's <laughs> fun. But it's fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would yeah. be fun. Um, yeah, so movies. And then I I follow the New York Times pretty closely. I don't. I can't keep up with all their articles, but I, I typically do the morning briefing just to see what's happening in the world. Um, and sometimes that leads me to another article where I dig a little bit deeper. But I try not to go too far beyond that, just again, to kind of draw those lines. Um, interestingly enough, I, I feel- You've got news boundaries. Yeah, news boundaries for sure. And locally, I, I'm trying to tap into local news more than I, I have in the past. So just kind of understanding what's happening in town. And that's been interesting to follow, but again, drawing the news boundaries. Um, and social media, I think probably more than news, drawing boundaries because it's a slippery slope. and when you are home a lot, it's easy just to keep scrolling or tapping or whatever the motion is. And that can be, that can be a lot to, to process. 
So um, really leaning on books, maybe watching TV sometimes, and then things like this, having conversations on the phone and connecting with people who are part of my close circle, who I I trust and who I am close to and, and want to have a conversation with and just kind of process all of this together. Yeah. Thank you. That's useful. I definitely, I mean, social media is a part of my work, but I feel like I've been on it now more than ever. And um, it's disappointing, but <laughs> no, it's hard. What can I you do? Mean, I, it's, it's part of my work too. And I'm on there as well. I'm on there every day, but I think it's, it's tough because I'm not sure if it's so much like not being on there. It's more just how you spend your time on there and what you're doing when you're there. Yeah, totally. And so true. You know, what you're giving, who you're connecting with, what you're sharing. I think there's a, again, I think there's a lot of positive that can be, can go into and come out of social media. It's really just how you choose to, to leverage the platform. And I, I guess I'd all yeah. for that, off of that, I would also just add that I'm, I'm noticing more and more virtual communities pop up or just kind of take off because it's a great way to still feel that social connection, inspire people, come together, share ideas and ask questions. So, you know, to me, I see a lot of opportunity in, in leveraging online spaces to build what you would otherwise maybe do in person. You're like um, a bit of a tech advocate, you know? I don't know if you've ever thought of that term, but I mean, you advocate for a healthy mindset around technology and social media. And we really need that. No, it's interesting. I've never, no one's ever said that term, but I've never thought of it that way. But I definitely think I'm an advocate for, if you're going to use it, using it in a way that, um, you know, kind of supports your mission and, and serves people for the better. So, um, you know, for me, that's often meant in the past connecting people with whether it's information and times of need or times of disaster or um, just giving people a place to have their voice, have their voice heard, which I think sometimes can be really hard to find. So um, having a, an online form of technology that allows you to do that is, is pretty cool to me. Thank you, Bryn. You are such a beautiful speaker. I am forever blown away by you. When people ask me who my idol is, you are the first person that comes to mind. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the way that we define that word is a bit distorted. So I, I feel so proud that I have someone who I truly, truly idolize and can learn from every time I talk to her. I do feel like you've made it your responsibility to make our, our universe better. So, um, so lucky you're my sister and I'm going to stop because I'll start crying. I want to just reiterate my thanks to you for inviting me to be on your podcast. I, my face lit up when I saw this launched and I'm just so excited and amazed by you and, and how you're growing your business and the direction it's moving. You've been incredibly creative throughout this whole, um, pandemic. And it truly is inspiring and motivating, I think, for not just me, but a lot of people who surround you. So I would just say, keep it up. And I'm extremely proud to call you my sister. Thank you so much for gracing us with your voice. And I love you. And we'll continue this conversation when I stop the recording because I want to see how you're doing. (laughs) Love you. Um, But yeah, I appreciate you so much. And I love you more than anything. I love you too. That was social media advocate, communications specialist, 
social impact storyteller, my baby sister, Bryn Blanks. We have this thing where we tell each other, I love you over and over again until someone hangs up. (laughs) And I think that's just our recognition for how rare and special our relationship is. Bryn would love to connect with you. You can reach her on her personal Facebook and LinkedIn accounts at Bryn Blanks, Bryn, B-R-Y-N, Blanks, B-L-A-N-K-S, or on Instagram at Bryn B, B-R-Y-N, B-E-E. She also manages Procore.org social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, which is another great place to find her and keep up with the latest stories she's helping to produce. Thank you so much for joining us. You can connect with us on Instagram at WokeBeauty or me at Riley Blanks and learn more at WokeBeauty.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Until next time, have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful. Oh.